BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Are you kidding me? You are looking live. Winning cures everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in, Winning Cures Everything. It is the Monday, January 10th edition of the show. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we have got some things to discuss. It is, of course, College Football National Championship Day. Uh, they do this on a Monday for some reason. The uh, the NFL, I mean, they always do their championship on a Sunday, which is the same day that the majority of them play, right? And we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. We're going we're gonna to talk about all the different storylines, all the narratives around the college football playoff national title game. Uh, but we do have other things going on in the world of college football as well. On Wednesday's show, we're going to hit all of the NFL playoff discussion, everything that's going on as we record, because you guys know that we record early. Uh, we are currently watching the Chargers and the Raiders, and they are about to go to halftime. So uh, so we're going to get in some college football conversation for our Monday show. And then, of course, Wednesday will be NFL, and Friday is a free-for-all. So we certainly appreciate everybody that's joining us today. Go ahead and do us a favor. Go to winningcureseverything.com. That is the website. You can find everything you need to know about us over there. Every segment, every clip, every show, every pod, whatever is all right there. Go to winningcureseverything.com. The show is brought to you by BetUS. It is where the game begins. It's America's premier online sportsbook, and they have got a ton of fantastic deals leading into the NFL playoffs. Of course, with the CFP national title game as well. Lots of things to find over there. Go and check it out, betus.com. Uh, I also host the BetUS College Football Show. So go ahead and check that bad boy out. Uh, there is a link in the description. Very easy to do. Chris, first off, how's your weekend been? Uh, weekend's been pretty good. Uh, I did a lot of work, but nothing outside of the house. Like the the start of the new year, when you own your own business and you're extremely small to where I have like five employees between two different businesses, 
you do everything. So now I'm trying to do like end of the year wrap up oh, for Lord. tax purposes. Jeez, this is a it's all government <laughs> crap, and you yes. know how I feel about that. So it's just a mess. The older I get, I'm I'm gonna say this, this is probably gonna make a lot of people instantly think. Well, of course, if you followed us for any period of time, you already know I'm an idiot, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> the older I get, I'm honest. I'm I'm not kidding. Uh, I think I'm becoming more of an anarchist than I've ever <laughs> thought I could possibly be when I was growing up. And I'm not kidding either. So you know how when I, I'm totally just hijacking the show for a second. It's all good. To talk about me. You know how like year, years ago I talked about this. There's one book that I give everyone. You graduate high school, you graduate college as like a gift or whatever. And it is Malcolm Gladwell, David versus Goliath. I think it's the most important book I've ever read. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and it, I, I, I use so many of the lessons there and every year I re go through it. I listed the audible because I can barely read. Um, for anybody that, that doesn't be, know about uh, that book, let me, uh, let me interrupt you. Anybody that doesn't know about that book, first off, uh, Chris and I both highly recommend it. It's a problem solving book basically. Right. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. So when you first hear it, like, David versus Goliath. It's not a it's not a book based on religion at all, but it is the coolest version of David versus Goliath you're ever going to hear that you've never heard in church. So, um, the the I think Michael Malice just put out his new book, which has been out for a year or so. They just got the audio version done, um, the uh, Anarchist Handbook, yeah. and I'm going through that now. And uh, and yeah, I. I really, really, really don't want government anymore in my life ever again <laughs> at all, at any level. And I know all the flaws that come with that, and I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. I'm a grown up. And my life is considerably more difficult because of people who want to control my life. Well, yes, so of course. That's my two cents about what I'm going through right now. So well, that's what go. I've done all weekend is just comb through. So, and I'm months behind on doing it. I, there's a good thing reason we got till April, and it's not because – uh, people who procrastinate. If you just work a job and you get a W-2 and you wait until April, you're a lazy fuck. Okay. But I, it's going to take me until April to get yes. all of my shit together. But to be <laughs> fair, you did just buy a business uh, yes. in the middle of football season. So I know, yeah. <laughs> I know, no. while well, I have another it, business, you know. but neither here nor there. All right. So we, we've got a lot to dig into. So that's what I did. Yeah. It's, it's, let's go it's, to football. Hey, I, I'll tell you what I did. Uh, I watched football. And I took my three-year-old to Chuck E. Cheese for the first time. That sounds like a disaster. It was. He was He was a lot better than I anticipated. Uh, but it did feel just like a giant COVID cesspool. No, that's, <laughs> see, that part doesn't bother me. So that's one of those things where, like, I think you should take your kid there. Remember we grew up and yeah. it was just like, hey, let them get dirty. Let them be around some junky people, like some some dirty people, so they can get some <laughs> – so you can get a little antibodies going, you know, you can yes, get a little, yes. little sickness in you. You get a couple of sniffles a couple of times. And now you got a pretty good immune system. And, and all the kids today that are like bathed in Purell constantly are always the ones that are sickly. Yes. A hundred percent. Okay. I used yeah. to play one when I was little. That's the extent of my medical knowledge. So don't listen yeah, to don't, me. Don't take our any of this shit. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, but yes, that's, that's what I ended up doing. And then of course, uh, Sunday, has been uh, taking down trees and all that kind of stuff. My Christmas tree was still up. My daughter uh, had to deal with COVID, so she didn't get to come over for Christmas. So we just finally did Christmas this weekend and all this other kind of mess. So it's just, you know, a lot going on. Um, but, but we do have 
a college football national championship game to discuss, and let's go ahead and dive into it. There is a lot of different storylines, a lot of ways that we could talk about this game, Alabama and Georgia. We, of course, gave out our pick on the Friday show. Uh, of course, Chris likes Georgia. I like Alabama. Uh, neither of those, I think, are betting picks. Like, we wouldn't actually put a money say, on You're using the word like pretty loosely there, but I'll stand by it. Well, that's, uh, yeah, <laughs> what, what we gave out on the show. How's that? Um, and, and neither of us really like because who can tell? Who has any idea what to expect from this ballgame? We've already seen it once, but, I mean... Georgia, I mean, if you I bet think- against Bama and Bama rules, like, you just look like an idiot and you feel like an idiot... But at some point in time, you feel like, well, that story is going to end soon, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, it's got to at some point. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to be this year. So let's, uh, let's dive into a couple of different things to talk about with the National Championship game. The first one that I do want to bring up, this is the 10-year anniversary of the Alabama and LSU rematch. Down in New Orleans, they played once earlier in the year in the regular season, and then they played again. This was still BCS days before the playoff, but they met again for a national championship, and that matchup begat the college football playoff as it is currently constructed. I am curious if this rematch from a month ago will have similar implications towards the future of this sport. Does this matchup, to you, Chris, does this mean that we are going to get a 12-team playoff, and, and will it specifically happen because this happened this season? Well, I don't know if it was going to specifically happen because of this this season. I think we were on the road to that before the season started. Right, but we okay. had had so many different uh, uh, conference commissioners and presidents and whatnot that yeah, were but very those standoff. Were morons. Right? No, oh, yeah, but they're all idiots. Okay, <laughs> they, 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 you want to look at a bunch of people that vote their own self-interest? I'm good with you. There's massive amount of corruption there. All right, yes. anybody who says more teams is bad for us when you're not being invited to this one you're obviously corrupt you're obviously being paid to have that opinion you don't actually have that opinion and so (laughs) i don't trust anything that you say or do and i really love that you are in charge of uh the honor and integrity of keeping i don't know our youth uh aligned like this is (laughs) this is why i think all these people are phony and they're full of shit and i don't trust any of them i hate them all no it does make sense it does matter what I'd you're love talking to have about. Their job. I'd love to have their job. Oh, yes. Most certainly. Most yeah, I think certainly. I'd be substantially better at it than they are. I do tend to agree with that. I, I wonder, because I we talked about this, I think, uh, right after the playoff games, and it was, okay, does this mean that they will finally quit being standoffish and all that good stuff? Because a lot of the standoff part was due to Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC. At this point, it's okay. Well, if we if we do this, can we find a way to getting more teams into this so that it's not just an SEC invitational every year, right? Uh, now, it did lead to another interesting topic. There was an article in the Washington Examiner, uh, Cam or no, sorry, Con Carroll from the Washington Examiner. Uh, now, this is obviously somebody that does not know a lot about this sport. Of course, suggested. That and, and a lot of people are sharing this thing around and whatnot, and, and I totally get it. Uh, only one bid per conference into the playoff. Is this something that you think that they will push towards? And, of course, the SEC will not allow it. It will never happen. But do you think that something like that would actually be better for the sport? So not one bid, but I actually do think if you cut it off at two per conference, 
I actually think that that appeases everybody because yeah. now you don't have the third best team in the SEC getting in. And, and because right now, the way it's constituted, like if we did it this year with the top 12, the SEC gets four teams in, right? Uh, I think only three. Just three? That's yeah, fine. Yeah, Ole Miss like, would be included. but Okay, so, so like Ole Miss wouldn't have gotten in, and that spot would go to someone else. And, and that's okay. And I think that's – I would actually bend on that. Like being the, the guy that's from the SEC and my team's in the SEC, um, and, and we've lived this area and we cover it while we know a lot about all of the country and we cover it all, I actually think that's pretty fair. I actually think that's a pretty good compromise is let's get to 12 with the stipulation of I don't care if you're ranked when the season's over with three teams in the top five. That if if you're one, two, and five, five ain't making the playoffs. It just don't don't come in third in your conference. Yes. That's now that's easy. How enough. do you how do you get that? As in, let's say we have a situation where we have a one loss team in the West that doesn't make the the SEC playoff and you end up with an undefeated team from the east that loses to the west team and so now you have two one loss teams but you know who gets ranked where that's for the voters that's for the maybe the sec maybe each conference gets to determine that like if you're gonna have a pick the conference gets to say hey we think this team is actually more deserving than that and you get to send one um and, and that, that would make very hard job for the commissioner and for people involved. Uh, but I, I'm okay with that. I believe it was 2012 or maybe it was 2011. I'm trying to remember. Uh, there the was a TCU year. Baylor? No, no, no. It was a year oh. when Alabama, Arkansas, and LSU were number one, two, and three heading into, yes. I think it was 2011. Uh we're, we're ranked number one, two, and three heading into the, the final weekend of the season. And I, I believe LSU had to beat Arkansas uh, to make it to Atlanta, if I'm not That's right. mistaken. Yes, yes, week 12, November 20th, LSU 11-0, Alabama 10-1, Arkansas 10-1. Alabama had beaten Arkansas, but had lost to LSU. So if Arkansas had beaten LSU that weekend, it's basically just who is the higher-ranked team. And then you have to figure – so it does not happen often. But there are no, it doesn't instances. happen often. But we'd have to come up with a solution for that because we've we've had it this year. We would have had almost every year the SEC would have gotten three teams in if you extrapolate it out to what would be twelve based on the rules and what we're talking about. Yes. So you've got to have something for that. But here's the thing: I'm okay with that. I'm one hundred percent okay with that because if you're third in your conference, then I then I'm okay with saying you you just don't get to play for number one in the country. Yeah. Now, is that weird to say you can be second in your conference and number one in the country? Uh, I get it, but I'm okay with drawing the line somewhere if it means we get to we get to do this thing. Yes. Yes, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, the next but one per conference is ridiculous. That's stupid, and that's drawn up by people who don't follow the sport at all. That's, that's not enough. Like, that's just not enough. Yeah, I, t- I tend to agree. Two per conference is a compromise I would make. <laughs> I think I might be all right with that. Uh, I don't know that the SEC will ever okay it, but but it is something to think about. Uh, next question. Will you watch Jimbo Fisher and the Texas A&M staff as part of the college football playoff national title coverage? Because that is who gets to be in the film room this year. It is only 
Jimbo Fisher and his A&M staff. Is that no, weird to I'm, you? I've never watched those before ever, and I'm and I'm and I don't plan on starting. I I go back and rewatch the film room, and you know I do this. I know every every day after the national title, I go back and listen to what the coaches said and whatnot. I don't think I'm going to do it this year. This seems it, it it's strange to me that they couldn't either get other coaches or they were just interested in Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher. Like, I, I don't know what the idea is behind that. Now, there are, of course, uh, there's coaches' conferences going on. I believe there's one in Nashville. Um, there's other things going on around the sport where other coaches may not be able to attend. But I do think it's really strange that they've got Dan Mullen on a bunch of their pregame coverage and whatnot. They couldn't get him in there. They couldn't get somebody else that might be interested in doing this uh, to do it. Like, I, I I don't understand why you would only have one guy and his staff talking about this game. Don't know, and I also think that's a really good way to piss off the whole rest of the country. This is already SEC fatigue as it is. Yes. Why in the hell would you just load this thing? Up? So we're just going to do another SEC coach. Like, I would have rather had one SEC coach and then, you know, four, I mean, literally everybody or no SEC coach at all. That yes. way you're getting voices from other part of the country to be able to come in and talk about this game. Right. It's somebody from the Big Ten, somebody from the ACC, some, you know, wherever. And hang on, like, why do they have to be superstar coaches? I guarantee you if you were to call some of these smaller, lower-tier coaches, some of these G5 coaches, they would be kicking down the door to get the publicity to, to, to sit in front of a camera for four and a half hours, right. five hours during this game and do it. And guess what? Those guys are really smart. Those guys know their shit. Uh, they, they've had David Cutcliffe in the past. They've had Gary Patterson, Mike Gundy. They've had Hugh Freeze. They've had, like, Once again, all, the, all, all Power 5 guys while they were in the Power 5. Well, Hugh, Hugh Freeze, was, yeah, he was at Liberty. but it, Was he at, at time, Liberty when he did this? Yeah, yeah, I think he did it just last year. Yeah. Oh, well, then, I, so, so like I said, I don't watch them. I don't care. But, like, I do understand that if you can't get other, like, the big coaches because they're busy, because they're working, or because they're just on vacation, like, right now, Lane Kiffin is on, he's on a beach somewhere, and he ain't coming back to do shit like this. While he would be amazing, he's just not doing it unless you just throw him obscene amounts of money. And and that's okay. But yeah. there's got to be, there's got to be, a hundred coaches, 50 coaches at least at the lower levels that would love the opportunity to let people hear them talk about football and show the country their knowledge of the sport. It, for example, John Summerall, the new head coach at Troy that was the co-defensive coordinator at Kentucky this past year. Perfect, right? He's a new Troy head coach and he's played Georgia this year. I mean, what are we talking about? Like it, it stuff yeah. like that would have been perfect, but something, instead, something like that, you know. It, it and is, to tell me you couldn't get any of those guys. It's to tell me weird. nobody could pick up the phone and get Bill Clark to come down there, right? Like I would love for the country to get to know Bill Clark better than the country knows Bill Clark because I worship this man. Now I'm incredibly biased here, but there's not a better football man in the world of Bill Clark. This is not. And I, I would love, I would listen then. I would love to hear him spend four hours talking about this game and these coaches and what's going on here. And Bill Clark played Georgia earlier in the year. Yeah, this, this mean, is what I'm saying. Like, this is a coach that played one of these teams. Like, he, he's got some inside information about it. But also, he's a great football guy from a school that has one of the greatest football stories you could ever have told. 
Yes. But ESPN refuses to tell it uh, because just, those guys don't matter. It, it's, they, they don't give a shit. It's, it's mind-numbing. I don't understand why they do it, but alas, it is what it is. We're um, going to puff up Jimbo. That's good. <laughs> and, I, and I like Jimbo. You know that. I yeah. like a and I like Jimbo. Both of us do. So, so, but I'm still not going to listen. I'm still not going to That's not how I want to watch the game. No, of course not. No, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Um, so the next question I've got um, – Everybody that is up there, I've talked to multiple people that are in Indianapolis right now, and it has been freezing rain. Uh, one of my buddies from down in Birmingham is at the game, and he was told leaving uh, one of the bars to be careful out there because he was going back to his hotel, and the sidewalks had completely iced over. Now, do we think that Indianapolis is a good city to host uh, a college football playoff title. It's it's done Super Bowls in the past and whatnot. Obviously, it's really good for Final Fours, etc. Indianapolis is a great city. Should college football playoff national title games only be in the cities where you're not expected to get ice and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, but you can't control that because that means that you were going to take Dallas out of there because Dallas just a few yeah. years ago for an NFL playoff game later in January, but it's only like by a week. Um also got iced over in the middle of the thing. Atlanta has caught ice this early in the, in the country at different times. So you can't predict the weather. You can't control the weather. And if you're going to make rules like this for things that are rarities, if you can go back and show me that every year, this time in January in, in Indianapolis, they always get this kind of precipitation and cold weather, then, then maybe I'll give it to you. Okay. But I'm going to bet you can't because it's historically right now, colder where we live than it's ever been at this point in time true we've never had temperatures in the 20s where we live in the memphis area this early in january ever true. We, we we got snow you know two weeks after a week and a half after christmas we've never gotten snow that early like so if this is an anomaly and and this all of the south is getting this now you're saying you can only put it in New Orleans and Miami and places like that, in like Pasadena. Tampa and yeah. Pasadena, because now you're limited. Because even you, now you've even taken Dallas out of the mix. You've taken Atlanta out of the mix. Like if you're going to try to do it to Indy, you better damn well know you're doing it to everybody else. Okay. Yes. Yes. Cause you can't control the weather. Yeah. You know what you wouldn't do it to though? And, uh, Las Vegas. <laughs> Cause they announced well, no, uh, last I, I, week. Yeah. Vegas is a, uh, is hosting, I think in 2025. And, and I, I love, love that. It. Yeah. You know that. But but also, I don't like I'm not gonna shit on this city. If you go out to this place and it's really cold and it's got a lot of participation, and you got two two fan bases from the south that aren't really good at driving on ice, tough shit. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, you're hundred percent right. Uh no, I went to Indy last year for the first time. Um, and it was I mean, it's a great city. Like what I are we going to do when we go to 12 and we don't do bowl games for the first round and somebody's got to go to South Bend? Oh, yeah. Somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to go up to Michigan or Ohio State sometime. Oh, yeah. It's going to be crazy. Heaven forbid Boston College makes one Wisconsin. or Washington. That you Wisconsin, know? Minnesota. Wisconsin, like, you know, what are you going to do then? You're just going to not go? No. <laughs> no, you're going to pack your shit and you're going to go. Yeah, you got to make it work one way or the other. All right. Uh, uh, after that. <laughs> Let's see. I did want to bring up... Oh, now that the NFL has 18 weeks, they are now not doing playoff games on the week that the college football playoff national title game happens. Is there a chance, you think, heading into the future stuff, 
that once they do the renegotiations for uh, whether we expand or whatever, do you think we can finally get this thing on a Saturday night instead of a Monday? Well, they're still playing games on Saturday, though. They are. There'll just be regular season games that it'll go up against. Right. But that, So what I'm saying is, could they, could they convince the NFL, which I doubt they convince the NFL. Um, the NFL moves for nobody. That's kind of what I'm thinking. That's, that's the only, because ESPN owns this thing right now. I, I wonder if they get Fox involved, and ES, they get NBC, and, ES, and ESPN also is the one that Doing has the Saturday, the Saturday games. Has the Saturday games. Yes. So if they do that, uh, the only way we could get that Saturday national title game will be if Fox or somebody else is to bid on it and they win it and they can do well, what they here, want. And, no, and here's the thing. I mean, Rook, asking the NFL to help you out a little bit, you know, maybe if you throw them some money, you could figure something out. Uh, but but here's the thing. The NFL games are 3.30 and was like 7 o'clock Saturday. But convince the NFL to treat it just like Sunday and play at noon and 3.30, and now you've got your nighttime uh, championship game. And you got a good lead in. Because everybody yeah. watches the NFL. If, I, if, I'm the, if I'm the NFL, I would at least listen to this and hear them out. But also, I mean, you know, listen. Don't nobody give nothing away for free. Okay. You're 100% right. But Look, also, me- also, this does work well with the NFL uh, with their broadcast partners, right? If if they are willing to work with their broadcast partners, yes, that's how it might work out. Uh, well, that's it. That's it. If you're, if you're Fox and you're NBC and you're CBS and, and you're ESPN and you're going to rotate getting this game, then, then you got to give me a piece of the pie when we're negotiating our deal. I, I like it. I but like it, it wouldn't be hard because they just play two games. And so you just play one at noon, one at 3.30, just like every Sunday, noon games, 3.30 games. And then, and then you're done for the lead up for basically Sunday night football. Sunday night football would now be the championship game. I like it. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm totally good with that. But the, uh, the NFL is not going to do it for nothing. No, of course. And, nor, not. and here's the thing, and I don't know that I think they should. Like, you know. No, it's all it, everything's negotiable, right? That's right. Everything's negotiable. Finally, the last thing that I want to bring up about the game, this one actually has to do with the game, and that is uh what will a win or a loss mean for Kirby Smart? Now I've got uh, I've got some ideas and whatnot, but I'll I'll let you have the floor first. I don't think a loss means anything. I mean, a guy that's bullied you and beaten you your entire career so far, it, it, you know. It, it just bullied you and beat you again. Like there's, I don't, I don't think that matters or means anything. It didn't change anything for him. Right. At some point in time, would it one day convince all these kids that are going to Georgia that no matter what kind of talent we have here, we're always going to lose those other guys. So why keep picking Georgia? Like other people have beaten him, but Georgia hasn't. So why are we trusting it in Kirby? That could be the only thing, but even then, I don't, I don't think that's a real possibility, but I don't think it matters. A win, however, changes everything because yeah. they, they have been the only team to, uh, to, to beat uh, uh, Alabama in recruiting the last couple of years. They're the only school that has gotten a number one recruiting class over Alabama ever in the last like five years. So um, that it, it solidifies him and, and it puts him in a place where, you know, it's been 40 years since, you know, Georgia's won a championship. Everybody else almost in the SEC has had their turn, especially all the big boy programs um, have, have all kind of rotated through there and, and, and all gotten, gotten their rings. And that, and that 
you know, 40 year span and, and they're the one big boy left, you know, wanting. So I I think it changes a lot for him. So a lot of the, uh, the powerhouse programs just in the Southeast, right? Clemson, Miami, Florida state, et cetera. They have all had theirs. Uh, I mean, hell you're talking, we're going 40 years. You're talking Georgia Tech's had theirs. Yeah. yeah, We're we're not, we're not talking, we're not just talking LSU, Auburn, um, you know, you know, Bama, uh, Tennessee, those teams. We're we're talking teams that are in your state that are significantly smaller than you. Now that was a long, long time ago, but still. Yeah. I mean it was since just nine years since after. you've last since you've last won, they've won. Yes. And there's no reason for that. <laughs> no, you're hundred percent right. Auburn, LSU, Florida, uh, Tennessee. I mean, you keep yep. naming it, and, and, and yes, and, ten- and Tennessee, Florida, and Auburn are got to be the three that stick in your craw because oh, yes. those are your biggest rivals as a team. We can say Georgia Tech is an in-state rival, but they don't play in your conference. It ain't the same since they've left the SEC, left the SEC years yeah, ago. Even still, it, that means all four of Georgia's yes, all, biggest rivals, all four of your rivals, not including Alabama, won. which I think is a, a more modern-day rivalry, right? But that's not a rivalry. That's just not a rival. No, you can't just, you can't just say we're the two best teams, and so now we're a rival. Like agreed. that's just not. It, it has to be more than that. Agreed. You play those other four teams every year. That matters. I don't believe that a loss means anything for Kirby. I, all all it exactly. will mean is there are <laughs> the people that support that program will continue to doubt him. And that's it. Uh, at the end of the day, Nick Saban is over 70 years old. He will eventually retire. People yep. do not live forever. At Joe Paterno and Bobby Bowden are the only ones that have coached into their 80s, and those two fell off towards the end, right? Well, they stopped coaching well into their 80s. Like, yeah. Jimbo Fisher was the coach that ran everything at Florida State for I don't know, seven years, nah, like, six years. Nah, it wasn't. It wasn't that long. It was four ish somewhere around okay. there before he All took right. over. Yeah. But it was a it was a significant amount of time before you know that Bobby was just a face. Yes, like like him and Joe Pa weren't X's and O in it. Okay, they were racking <laughs> up stats. Yes, hundred percent. They were racking up wins, and Nick Saban is still doing the X's and O's. He is still recruiting he's he's doing everything at a high level oh, to yeah. this day and well there's a big difference between 70 and 85 Gary. oh agreed 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 i mean there's a substantial difference but, between but that's that. what i'm saying is eventually like kirby smart is incredibly young right he is still 10 years younger today than nick saban was when he started at alabama so he's got a long long career ahead of him uh but this is if you were ever going to catch Alabama, this would be the year to do it. They are the worst version of a Nick Saban team that they have had there in in many, many years. They are incredibly yeah. young. It, so. There's a reason Georgia was a huge favorite going into the SEC title game because we had 12 games of data for both these teams, and Alabama looked worse than Alabama's ever looked, and and Georgia looked better than Georgia's ever looked. Yes. And 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 – and there's a reason now you give Nick, you know, a, an extra week and, and all this time. I, I don't know. I can't, exp- I can't explain. I can't explain the national title game because it just uh, the SEC title game. Yeah. The SEC title game <laughs> because it didn't match anything. It didn't match anything that we've seen for 12 weeks. I, I will tell you. So this will play into, uh, into the next, you know, the last question regarding this game. Uh, what does it mean for college football overall? 
And I think what it means is this is just another data point that you have to have that NFL superstar quarterback to be able to win a national title. If Alabama wins uh, and Georgia loses, I think that's what that means because I'm going to disagree with that right now. Okay. Just gonna I, I would love I would love to hear your reasoning behind it. Well, because if 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 Stetson Bennett plays fine and this is a low scoring defensive slog, but but you know, either both quarterbacks look bad or both quarterbacks look good, that and, and, and Georgia ends up losing this game, then then that doesn't mean oh, they didn't have that NFL quarterback, so they can't win. Like I just I just refuse to believe that because I just I I think this Georgia team is really, really good. Okay. I, I and I think they you. can win in spite of him. Here's the thing. If Georgia wins, then then what you just said gets definitively crushed. Right. Because there's right. no way on earth Stetson Bennett is a big time NFL quarterback. Uh, correct. That, and that's what I'm saying is that is the the narrative coming out of this if Kirby Smart and that massive that might be a, front that might be a narrative, but it's not true. It's not accurate. It's not right. You don't have to have that guy. And also, remember, Alabama had that guy, and that guy hasn't translated into the NFL really good to be that superstar NFL quarterback yet. Agreed. Agreed. He, so, he is a, so let's so, be real careful about that. They, those guys get drafted early a lot, and, and, then they, and then they're fair to middling. Okay? Right. So what, so what does that mean? Do you think that there is so, – so basically, we don't know that they translate – Necessarily, right? Uh, Tua has had flashes of brilliance in Miami, um, but he's also faltered a little bit. Uh, Mac Jones, no, no, kind of no, same no, thing. No, don't, don't gloss over that. You can't say he's had flashes of brilliance and then faltered a little. He's been the definition of mediocre in the NFL. Right. Would you say the same thing about uh, Jalen Hurts? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I'd say the same thing. Uh, would you say the same thing about Mac Jones right now? Absolutely. Okay. Now, there are a ton. The definition of mediocre between all of them. There are a ton of NFL And then NFL there was a scouts. decade between them and like A.J. McCarron, which was the last Alabama guy that came out that, that got an right, NFL right, right. job for a long time, and he wasn't worth a shit. <laughs> I'm saying that this is a, a recent trend, right? If you go back through... Yeah, take the, Alabama quarterbacks and your quarterback will be mediocre. But the, the <laughs> That's not what I'm getting at. Take, 20, take an LSU quarterback. We've, we, we don't have many. We got one, but he's pretty much a superstar. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, so 2020, you had Mac Jones win a national title, right? And he yeah. first round, he's now taking the Pats to the playoff. Obviously, that's not yeah, Mac Jones. He didn't but, take the Pats to the playoffs. And, right, agreed. I, I'm saying that he is the starting quarterback of a playoff team, right? Okay. I, I'm not saying Jaylen that he's Hurts good. Is the starting quarterback of a playoff team too. <laughs> I'm saying he was a first round NFL quarterback. If he wasn't a good NFL, if he wasn't, uh, uh what's the word I'm looking for? If he wasn't expected to be a good NFL quarterback, they wouldn't have taken him in the first round, right? Yes, they would have um, because he played at Alabama. I don't know that I buy it. The last, okay. the last NFL well, we've quarterback. Got, well, we've got we've got three in the NFL right now, okay? And in five years, we'll see how many we still have. This is this was not supposed to get into an Alabama know, quarterback but, debate. But, but, what I'm saying, but you, think, you think that because these guys are stars in college, it equates to being stars in the pros, and it just doesn't. No, no, and you think you have to have this star. A quarterback is the most important position in football. Yes. Okay. So, yes, the team that has the better quarterback, if you have a star quarterback and the other team doesn't, then the other team is at a significant disadvantage. But it doesn't mean that team can't beat you. Zach Calzada led AM team beat Alabama. 
Correct. And he like was completely like inept the entire second half because of an injury. Okay. Came out of several series. Yeah. And then had to drag his ass back in injured to come back. Okay. So you're talking about a very mediocre quarterback in college can beat somebody. Agreed. A hundred percent. Is it hard? Yes. But this fucking I, hard. It's hard to win yes, a title. It's very hard. I'm I'm looking at the last however many national title winning quarterbacks, right? 2020 Mac Jones, 2019 was Joe Burrow, 2018 was Trevor Lawrence, 2017 uh basically Tua uh because Jalen Hurts didn't do anything in that first half. 2016 Deshaun Watson. Now 2015 was Jake Coker and that was the last one that did not uh he was not expected to be a big time NFL quarterback, right? Well, he the, wasn't the highly is, ranked. Is all those guys are expected to be, and one of them, Deshaun Watson, has proven that he is definitively a star if he can ever get back on the field. Um, he may be the and next I think, Dolphins. And I think, and I think Joe is going to be a star, and I think the rest of those guys are just dudes. And the, there's a chance that they play in really stable um, systems, and so they'll probably have long careers, but I don't know if they're ever going to be great. I think, I think what we saw from Mac Jones this year is what we're going to see. Yeah. Like, I don't, no, I don't know sense. how much better he's getting. I don't know. That, I don't know how much better Tua's going to get. Like, Tua has flashes of brilliance, and he gives the ball to the other team all the time. So, yeah. now you're, uh, you're not wrong about that. And he holds it too long. So he gets sacked in the NFL a lot, which is going to mean he's going to have a hard time getting healthy or staying healthy. And then people are going to say, oh, well, if he just would have been healthy, he could have been a lot better. Eh, hmm. That's just not true. <laughs> it's like, are we sure about that? Are we sure about that? So, no, you're right. You're right. It's um, the most important. It's a, it's a really important position. And does, if you've uh, got a better quarterback, then it's easier for you to win. Does an Alabama win mean anything different than what it already has going forward? No. I don't no. think it does. If you, have, if you have all the best players and you have all the best coaches, then you're going to beat everybody all the time. That's kind of what it seems Kirby like. Kirby Smart has equal best players, except for at the most important position. Um, overall talent, he doesn't have the three best players. I would think the three, if you were drafting the players, and I'm just doing this from the top of my head, Alabama's got number one, number two, number three draft pick. The next 12 might be Georgia's, but it doesn't matter. And then all the best coaches are on the Alabama sideline. All of them. I mean, you got NFL playoff winning coaches. Now, I'm yeah. not talking about NFL scrubs that got fired. All right. These guys, your OC got fired because he was a shitty GM. All right, yeah. not, not because he was a bad coach. He was one of the best coaches hey, by the way, let in me, all the NFL. Let me, let me hijack that conversation right quick. Uh, Bill O'Brien, of course, it's uh, been reported that he is going to interview for the Jaguars head coaching job. His best friend is Doug Marone. You think he brings Doug Marone back as like a, an offensive line coach or an OC or something with him to the Jags? I don't, I don't know that he couldn't. I think that Doug Marone probably has a decent relationship with that family, and it's not the same GM, I, I think, that fired him. You know, I think all relationships could be mended. I also think that it could be a thing where the Jags hire him and say, we don't want Doug back, and you say, all right, yeah. Doug, you now are going to be the OC at Alabama, yeah. and that's what's going to happen. More than likely. More than likely, so – we shall see. Uh, that'll take us to our next topic here, and you know we'll kind of run through some of these. Kirby Smart and Nick Saban both had their press availability on the Sunday before the national title game, and they both called for NIL regulations. Now, normally when Nick Saban does this, it is kind of a warning shot 
for the rest of college football, or at least it has proven to be so thus far. He talked about transfers. He talked about uh, playing fast. You know, all, all these different things that he's talked about in the past. Is this what we want football to be, et cetera? He has utilized all of them and come up with some of the best versions of those, right? He has totally taken advantage of the transfer portal in the last two years. He has created an offensive juggernaut in Alabama. Um, all these different things. He brought it up and said that there needs to be some kind of NIL. He is not against players being paid. He said, if we do this, you are really going to have the haves and the have-nots if you just allow open market whatever. My question to you is, is this a reaction only to Texas A&M and that number one recruiting class that they got? Or is this actually them being worried about the uh, better of the entire sport? No, this is 100%. Somebody new took number one because for the last decade, it's been Alabama and Georgia at number one. And somebody new popped up at number one. Your, your response to him, this being a warning, no. All right. So I, I hate this man, but I give him his credit. Okay. I don't think he was telling people you don't want to play fast. It's not safe. I think a hundred percent, he was afraid of it. All right. Yeah. And you know what he had to do to get better and learn it. He had to sell his soul to somebody he hated, which is Lane Kippen. Okay. He had yes. to bring somebody into his house that he didn't trust. He didn't like to, to, to teach him this thing that he hates. Okay. And yes, he has all the best players and he has a system for getting all the best players. So of course he's going to be capable of going faster, better than you can, because he's got better players than you going fast. Didn't mean I'm warning you. If you don't make it slow down, I'm going to dominate the sport. That's bullshit. Okay. Correlation is not the same as causation. All right. He was not sending out a warning. He didn't want to sell his soul. Okay. Yeah. And he did sell his soul, which is fine. I don't disagree with what he did, but he brought in somebody who he knew could do this thing that he hated having to do. And then transfer portal. He hates this fucking thing. Does he do it better than everybody else? Yes, because he's got the best system in place. This man's got 95 GAs that are all former head coaches at places when everybody <laughs> else got 45 GAs and they're all grad assistants, all right, which is what the GA job was supposed to be. But neither here nor there. He's got grown men selling these kids and scouting these kids and recruiting these kids. And, and because of that, Yes, he's better at it, but he doesn't want to do it. He just has to do it now. So so let's not confuse this as a warning. Once again, this is a, I don't like this because it means I've got to learn something new, put together a new plan. And yes, if he's stuck around long enough in the next five to six years, they might become better than everybody else at this. But it took him a while to catch up to the speed of the game. Okay, yeah. to playing fast. He he didn't do that very well. Thankfully, he had the best defenses the world has ever seen. And the other schools that were really good at football at that time were Auburn and 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 uh and and LSU. And and they played exactly like he played. And so if he just could beat them, then it didn't matter. He could win titles that way. Yeah. So this is just a thing where I think he's legitimately bothered by it. He doesn't want to do it because it's another thing. Here's what this does. This puts more power in the hands of boosters at Alabama. And right now, that is the one school that those boosters have zero power. 
They very much have been the definition of leave the check, hit the bricks. Okay. You don't call me and you don't tell me how to do anything, but if we're going to do this on the up and up, these coaches aren't allowed to be involved in the negotiations of these things. These coaches aren't allowed to actually go out and get NIL deals for these kids. It is their responsibility to get them on their own. The school cannot help with that. And so this now gives his boosters a lot more power and a lot more influence over his kids. And this is a guy that only knows how to rule with fear and with an iron fist. I absolutely think it's a, it's something he's afraid of. Does that mean that if he sticks around long enough, he won't be better at it than everyone else? No, that's not what it means at all. But I do think he's going to struggle because while Alabama has some big money folk at some point in time, they've won a ton. And these big money folks have been given tons and tons of money to the school. Yes. But these other places, they haven't won at all. A&M, Texas, Texas has been a long time. A&M, it's been forever. You've got some big money schools all around the country that haven't won in a long time or haven't won ever. And now they're going to start ponying up. And all they have to do is say, let us get a top five recruiting class four years in a row, and we're at this table. So I don't need you boosters to give for a decade. I need for the next four years for you to give until it hurts to make sure we get the number one, number two, number three, number four, number five recruiting class in the country four years straight. And you do that, and we're playing for this title. You and I obviously feel differently about Nick Saban, which to be expected, but I think that you and I were dead on the exact same when thinking about this exact situation. My thought process was Nick Saban does not want to have to count on boosters for anything other than dropping a check. That's right. And in this situation, it all comes down to them actually securing these deals with the kids, right? Uh, and, And let's, that'll take us over to our next topic here. It has been reported that Texas A&M boosters paid nearly $30 million to ensure that number one recruiting class for Texas A&M. Now, obviously, the school, the coaches, cannot be involved in securing these NIL deals. That does not mean that they are not doing it, right? Uh, I am sure that Jimbo Fisher and that bunch uh, had at least some semblance of a, a finger on the pulse of what's going on. It is reportedly that they... Uh, they created a company that is specifically created to pay NIL for players. $30 million for 28 guys that have already signed. Seems like a pretty good deal. I think it's absolutely seems, genius. Seems like it, a hell of a deal, and, yeah. and that's over a million dollars a kid. And now you're changing these kids' lives. Yes. And, and we, you and I both have said this in the past. We love this. Yes. But... At Alabama and other places where the coach has full reign, full authority, and does not want to count on the boosters for anything other than dropping off a check at the door and just enjoy the wins when they come in, you rely on them for more than just that, right? You can't be in control of this. And I think that's something that scares Nick Saban. Uh, but yep. this for Texas A&M, this is genius, right? This is absolutely what they needed to have happen. A&M has been really good recruiting since Jimbo got there, right? They were pretty good at it with Kevin Sumlin. They'd have some big years. They'd have some drop-down years, et cetera. That's typical for this sport. 
they have not been. Jim, Jimbo's it, been consistent. Yeah, he's been a consistent top 10, uh, borderline top five, all four yeah. years that he's been there. He has never been this. Never and been all one. these reports, I think Bro Bible and Fan Sided and, of course, Message Boards galore and whatnot have been the ones to actually report on this because you can't find a lot of information about this. Right, it's it's a nonprofit. It's something that they have delved up. They've created something in the state of Texas, in order to basically funnel money to the kids. Yes, and we love it. Yep. Like this is something that should happen anywhere that wants to win. Right. Hang on. And and I and I didn't I didn't mean to marry these two things. I spoke earlier about how I I'm becoming an anarchist. Yeah, yeah. These two old bastards wanting to regulate. Listen, regulation is the cause of all the problems that we have in college football right now. College athletes, major college athletes right now is because the NCAA has its head up its ass and it has for a long, long time. Okay. They don't protect these kids. They don't give a shit about their safety. They don't give a damn about their education. They are complete and utter frauds with everything they do. They just want to make money. They're nothing but whores. That's all they are. I've said it before. I'll continue to say it. Getting these kids paid. And, and, and taking the, the wheels off, having no regulation and letting it just be a free-for-all, heaven forbid we have quote-unquote chaos until some kids start getting hurt or, or, or start getting in major, major trouble, any more trouble or hurt than they did before this, then, then, then you can bring that shit to me later, okay? But right now, poor black kids are getting paid. 80% of these, 90% of these kids aren't going to play in the NFL. All right. They don't have a payday. And if you think that degree is going to carry them, you're talking to a dumbass that took seven and a half years to get a college degree. Never used it a day in my life. I just went into massive debt to get it because my mother wanted me to get a degree. She wanted her son to have one. And you know what? I did that. And it cost me an obscene amount of money. All right. And it took me a long time. You, and, and at no point in time did University of Mississippi ever help me get a job or do anything to improve my quality of life after getting that degree. All right. So if you think that's going to carry these kids, you are sadly mistaken. Now, I'm certain there are some schools out there that have a network of people and they take care of their graduates. I think those schools are rare and I think almost all of them are private. I don't think yeah. any of the state schools will operate that way because they're too fucking big. They got too many damn people. They can't take care of all the kids. So I think it's good that these kids are getting paid. I think it's great that these kids are going to take care of the family. If you got a million bucks to go to A&M and you had to sign some paper saying you're going to stay at A&M for your four years of eligibility, which I'm pretty sure contracts are being written up and you're not just getting this money for nothing. Okay. I think some of these kids are getting these kind of dollars and they're not going to ever hit the transfer portal because I'm going to bet there's language in there to prevent that. But now because you're paying them, you can put language in there for that. So I think that's a fantastic idea. The difference is, is you put a million bucks in a kid's hands that's broken poor. Is he going to piss off a bunch of it? Sure. He's going to fuck off a lot of it, but I guarantee you, he's going to pay for mom's house. He's going to pay for mom's car. They're not going to have another Thanksgiving where they're waiting in line at a food shelter somewhere, hoping to get a Turkey. Those days are gone. Those days are done. You can change these people's lives for generations with one recruiting class because you were good at high school football. 
You yes. don't have to go play pro. You can now focus on college. You can actually use your degree for what you want because you got some money in the bank. I got out of college and the first thing I did was get a job. And I got a job being a bullshit security guard, making eight bucks an hour. And that wasn't enough to pay my bills. And so I worked for a landscaping place on my on my days off. And I was I was digging ditches and I was I was slinging trees. Okay. And and then that wasn't enough money. So I got a job waiting tables and bartending on the nights that I had free. And I worked three jobs that paid around 10 bucks an hour. So I could get the 30 bucks an hour I needed to support myself. Okay. If you get out of college, you don't longer have to worry about that. You can actually wait around for the right job to come. You don't immediately have to hit a grind because you're broke. Yes. Yes. Good thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Chaos happened. The wrong team got the wrong player. Go fuck yourself. I don't care. <laughs> I, I do enjoy when you get on these uh, these passionate rants uh, because you, you say things better than I could, but I do feel the same as you. Well, I, we see the thing in the world. I'm yeah. willing to say these things, and I know it loses credibility. You still have a show, and I don't, somewhere else out in the ethos. And I'm certain, <laughs> I'm certain it's because you're the model of professional. And, and I, I appreciate that, and I value that's probably the reason we have a show, okay? Because nobody would pay me. No one would take me serious. I don't think the things I'm saying are wrong, and we agree with them. I'm, I don't know any other way to say it. Is it inappropriate? Is the way I talk rough for some people to hear? Probably. Yeah, I sound like a yeah. like a Neanderthal. I am. Okay, <laughs> I cheated my ass but, off through college. Ole Miss didn't need to help me out. They right. didn't owe me anything. I, I took that piece of paper by crook. All and, right, and and you use that book, by the way, that Malcolm Gladwell book, yes. to the best of your ability. So everybody that taught again, me more than seven read. and a half years of college <laughs> across three universities. That one book taught me more than anything I learned at any of those places. Yes, yes, a hundred percent. I agree with everything you're saying. I agree with it. And, and what you are saying is something that deserves to be said, right? Which is why this show exists. I mean, the whole point of us doing this is so that we can talk about this sport, uh, well, these sports, all these different things. That Another are going top on 100 world. kid went to Jackson State. Yeah. Another I, top 100 kid went to Jackson State. Now, they keep saying, we're not paying them. They want to come here for the love of the game. Why the hell are you paying them? There's yeah. money down in Jackson. I know where that money is. I could go find it. I know those people. Pay those damn kids. If you're not paying them, Dion, then fuck you, man. No, I, I guarantee that they are they are being taken care of. There's like, no way. But here's the thing: like they're ashamed of it. Like they're saying, "Oh, I get. I guess we got this one too, only because we paid them." And I'm thinking, who cares why you got them? Who cares how you got them? No, the you whole, got them. Listen, the idea of you know Brad Pitt playing Billy Bean in Moneyball. It's it's. Who, who cares how we won? Did we win? Okay, who gives a shit? And who cares what anybody thinks of you? Did you win? Did you get the kid? Yes. How did you get him? It doesn't matter. Who cares? And the if name, you got him because yeah. you paid him, then tell people that. How many Let college football know. coaches are keeping their jobs because of their APR? Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. that's got... It, it, it really... That's, it's yeah. all something that you can toss into a press release to make your school sound good. But at the yes. end of the day, it is wins and losses. You either win now, or you lose. I, I will tell you, there is a world where if you did pay these kids a, a substantial amount of money and those kids come from rough backgrounds and they don't want people knowing they got a lot of money, then that's the one pass where I would say, okay, I, I'm going to make it. I'm just going to say we didn't pay them. I'll go out and I'll lie. 
And if it hurts us in recruiting later, because people think if I got to settle for, for this HBCU, but I'm not going to get paid, then I don't want to settle for that. That's, that's a conversation you got to have with the next kid up. Okay. And you got to let them know, Hey, I'm doing this, but I'm doing it. And I'm letting these people stay private. Okay. Because they got a lot of people that are going to, because when you get this money, hands go come out and somebody's got to be strong enough to tell those people get away get away. I got to yeah. take care of me and I got to take care of my family. Uh, you've I'm seen sure it with these they, kids have yeah. kids. They have loved ones. They've got moms. They got they, they can't take care of aunts and uncles and cousins and everybody. Okay. You take yeah. care of mama and Charles Barkley did this better than anybody I've ever heard of. He said when he first got money, the best advice he gave was, is he didn't know how to tell everybody no. And he was afraid of it, but the strongest person in his life was his mother and his grandmother. And he gave them everything he keeps. Literally, he said, and I don't know if he still does this, but he said he kept half of his checks for himself. And he gave his mom the other half of everything. And he said, you take care of who you want. So if you want something, you go to mama. Don't call me for a dime. You go to mama. If mama thinks you're worth a damn and you could convince her because she had a better bullshit you know, meet her on her. Yeah. She knew how to handle this family. Well, she think was about the it. matriarch think, of the family. Think about how young those guys are, right? We've seen it yeah. multiple times with kids that when they first get drafted into the NFL, Trent Richardson was a big one, right? Yes. As soon as he got drafted, immediately yes. everybody that he went to school with, that he was buddies with, et cetera, everybody wanted their cut. And right. he didn't know how to how to handle it, and it cost him. Yep. Not Not just money. But it cost him with his career because he couldn't he couldn't separate on the field and off the field, right? And there's a ton of guys that have done that, and that's somebody that had three years of college, right? This is we're talking about kids that are fresh out of high school. Yep, like it's impossible to do. Uh, I don't even know how we got on that topic, but it's it it well, it's anyway, the same. It's just, it all it all ties in together. Uh, what Texas A&M is doing. I don't want regulation. I don't want regulation at all. And I don't care that it hurts LSU. LSU is one of the poorest states in the union. Louisiana is, okay? And we've got big money boosters, but we're really behind on how we're handling uh, NIL deals, all right? And this is probably going to hurt us in a negative way. I don't care. I still think it's right. It doesn't matter if it makes my school lesser. I would would imagine that Brian Kelly will figure out a way to do it. Brian Kelly will figure it out. I'm certain certain he will at some point, but – you know, we, we we lost our best defensive back and we almost lost our best receiver because we couldn't get an NIL deal done. And so, so I don't That's know. That's a fact. That's it, a fact. Yes, but, I, I, but what, I'm, what I'm saying is I don't know that, I don't know that Brian Kelly necessarily wanted, wanted Eli Ricks and I don't know that he necessarily, you know, it feels like they need Butte, right? I mean, we'll see. But you um, know how when a when a head coach gets in and he likes to clean house a little bit, that could have something to do with it. That, that could be true. That could be true. So, but it didn't it didn't take away the fact that we had NIL problems yeah. and we're still like we got Butte taken care of. I don't know that we've gotten anybody else taken care of. True. True. So <laughs> it's it's that it's that type of stuff that that once again I'm gonna be consistent. It doesn't matter if it hurts my school or helps my school. If I think it's right, it's right across the board. It doesn't matter. Agree. Agreed. Uh, let's jump into a few more topics right quick, and uh, and then we'll get out of here. We've got uh, a few more. Gene Chizik 
is the new defensive coordinator at North Carolina. He is going to work under Mac Brown. North Carolina, of course, is where he was most recently uh, before he retired to spend some more time at home with his kids and whatnot. Uh, went and took a job at the SEC Network, so he did not have to work nearly as many hours, etc. cetera. Uh, but he is familiar with the stalking grounds. Based, that, that is based out of North Carolina, so he didn't have to move. He, exactly. stayed, he stayed in the same area. So it's not like, you know, that's based out of Atlanta or exactly. Birmingham. Yeah, he, he's working in Charlotte, but... Uh, but he moves over to Chapel Hill to take over the defense. His uh, his kids have graduated and whatnot. So, I mean, this kind of makes sense for him to get back into the game. Uh, I yeah. do find it odd, though. Uh, one, uh, how in the world did the USFL screw up their announcement so poorly? Uh, they handed out to Colin Cowherd and Greg McElroy and Cole Kublik, etc., a list of the coaches that have taken jobs as the new head coaches of these different USFL franchises. And Gene Chizik was the new head coach of the Birmingham franchise for the new USFL. Of course, it starts in the spring, etc. And Chizik came out and tweeted immediately after they made the announcement. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, this this deal ain't done. Like, it, don't get me wrong. I love the USFL, but I am not the head coach right now. And then, of course, it comes out the next day on Saturday that he is the new defensive coordinator. Uh, how, if you're the USFL and you were trying to to tell everybody, you're trying to show everybody, prove that you are a legitimate company, how do you mess up something like this? You've only got eight eight teams. I I I think I think they jumped the gun because they were afraid of this, and I feel like if this was a way of putting pressure on him, and and just saying, hey you can't take that job now. We've already publicly told people that you've accepted this one. And, and I bet they were pretty far along in the negotiations, uh, which is why they felt comfortable doing that. They thought they had their man and, uh, and they didn't. And that's fine. And listen, the, the, the defensive coordinator job at North Carolina is a million times better job than the USFL head coach. Agree. And, and it's not even close. It's not, you can't even measure those two things. All right. The, if, if, History tells us anything in nine months that league won't exist. So we've yeah. never had one of these leagues last two years. It's uh it's definitely strange. Um and most of them don't last the year that they start. <laughs> you're you're actually you're actually right. Uh I was gonna see if I could find this. Um all right, here we go. Gene Chizik uh tweeted on December 14th. He said Every scholarship offensive lineman at Texas will get $50,000 a year with the new NIL deal, not to mention the $200,000 education. Americans struggle finding $50,000 a year jobs to feed their children. Next, it's $100,000 per player with no end in sight. This is a flawed system. The most money wins. So he came out against NIL deals, and now he takes a college head coaching job at a place that I believe... Nope, 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 nope. A college coordinator job, so he's not going to deal with any of these NIL problems at all. Okay, okay, you do have a point there. But he still has to be around it. He is still a part Doesn't of matter. the system. But he's, he's not... But he's not, Okay, he's a part of the system the same way the janitor's a part of the system. He's not going to have any say in the NIL stuff. He's going to recruit kids, and, and, and Mac, or whoever the head coach is, is going to be responsible for working with the boosters to try to get the kids, to get the money to make sure they get deals for them. Yeah. It's not going to be his job. It's not going to be his responsibility. He he doesn't like it. That's fine. He's 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 antiquated in his thinking, and he's wrong. 
Yes, he is certainly that. Uh, I did find the it idea that these kids can now make fifty thousand dollars. Holy crap! And then you give them a two hundred thousand uh, dollar uh, education bill. You you know how I feel about oh, that. Yes. That that's a that's a made up number that the school makes up and charges people. That's yes. a bullshit number. It doesn't matter to anybody. <laughs> so if they didn't take the education, you just gonna give them two hundred grand? No, no, that's that's bullshit. It's a made up fucking number. Agreed. Agreed. All right, let's move to a different level of college football. North Dakota State is the FCS champions again. Ninth title in the last 11 seasons. Um, they beat Montana State. I think it was 38-10 to 10 was the final. Pretty, pretty just, beat down. And, it was, yes. and if you watched, God, if you like offensive line play, <laughs> you saw the pushes. I'm, I'm talking this offensive line pushed that defensive front for Montana State. A good four or five yards off every the line. Snap. Every play. Every snap. Every snap. <laughs> every play. It was so ridiculous. Uh, it was a lot of fun to watch if you are rooting for North Dakota State. If you were a oh, yeah. Montana State fan, uh, that's rough. That's very long, rough. Long right? day. Long, um, cold, miserable day. So it leads to a couple of questions, right? Uh, first off, could North Dakota State win the MAC this year? I, I saw these two questions on uh, Reddit CFB and thought, man, that would be a good topic to discuss for a little bit. Do you think they could have won the MAC in, well, in it's FBS? A hypo- okay, it's a hypothetical Very that hypothetical. we'll never know the answer to. Right. So, I mean, could they have competed for the MAC? Sure. Could they have won a lot of games? Yeah. Would they have won it? I don't know. I probably so. I mean, you know, it wouldn't that would it wouldn't surprise me if they, they moved they have into a, the MAC and then won yes, the MAC. They have a fantastic system in place. We, we saw App State. State. We saw App State dominate at that level. Yes. And then come in the Sun Belt and then instantly take over winning the Sun Belt or competing for the Sun Belt every year. I don't know that I don't know that App State's ever finished less than third in the Sun Belt since they've came in, right? Correct. Correct. They have been dynamic and awesome. So so that wouldn't so that wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't shock me if if they moved into a a, a lower level conference like like the MAC and instantly, you know, became very competitive. They're really good yeah. at football. And now, it, it, you say that about different G5 conferences. I don't know that they would be able to do that in the Mountain West this year. I think they could be oh, successful. Uh, but that's a different. But, that's a different level. Well, yeah, but I don't know. But I don't know they couldn't either, though. Right. I don't. I don't know that they wouldn't. They've got a really good system, and they've got really good players that fit that system. Which leads to the next question that I saw, which is: uh, as a mid-level recruit, would you rather play for a G5 school, knowing that you had no shot at a national title, or would you rather play for North Dakota State? See, some of this all depends on where you're going to school and what what life is like. Like, I, I've said it before. If I wasn't a major college football player, but I could have played football at any G school I wanted, G5 school I wanted, I, who's not picking San Diego State? Right. Like, who doesn't want to go to school and have somebody else pay you to live in San Diego? Right? Like, that just <laughs> seems amazing. And you're telling me my option is to go struggle at San Diego State to, to be competitive at the mid to upper level Mountain West, or I can win championships, but I got to live in North Dakota. Right. I'm going to take San Diego, but yes. that's my priorities. Those are things that I care about. All right. I want a little bit of a life. I'd like to, I'd like to have some restaurants to go to. I'd like to have some bars. I'd like to have some, I need a big pool of the opposite sex to, to choose from. Have you seen me? I, I can't, I can't walk on a campus of 200 people and hope 
hope that one of those hundred of the opposite sex finds me attractive. That's just not, that's not going to work out well for me. Right? That's, a, that's a bad deal. Right? I need to be in a big city, but that's what I want out of college. So what, so, so what do most of these kids want? I think some of them would choose that, which is why they, they get the talent that they get. They get legit NFL talent from there yes. and, and real. Um, but I don't, well, it's talent that still needs that, to be developed, right? And that's yeah. that's. The and difference. I don't, I don't know that enough. I don't know that enough is coming from there to to sway the mid level guys because some of these college towns, and I, and I picked San Diego, but some of these other college towns, Boise is an awesome town to live in. Okay, yeah. awesome. UCF, I, I FAU, I would, like. Oh well, now you're getting into the South and you start getting into the Sun Belt and those types of areas. You got some really cool areas, but but even in the MAC, like. Like you're in Midwest, but the Midwest area of, of a lot of these college towns, they're quaint, they're nice, they're big enough. You're a good drive away. Like you're usually 45 minutes or an hour away from a from a good city. And and there's lots to do. It, and there's, you know, not and I'm not besmirching the great state of North Dakota, but it's fucking North Dakota, man. Yeah, Fargo like, is man, the biggest city out there. There's but nothing it's... to do. Yes. I mean, it's it's rough. It's very rough. There's a reason they're really good at football, because they don't have anything else to do. <laughs> you uh, you were not wrong. You were not wrong about that. Uh, it is cool to watch them. <laughs> I like watching them. But would I go there? No. And would the majority of mid-level recruits go there? No. And we've seen that. There's Correct. a reason. No, they they're just not getting all of the mid-level talent, or even the 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 bulk of the they're not hand selecting their guys the way Alabama just hand selects their guys. Right. You know? Right. Uh, we've got two more topics to hit Jim Harbaugh to the NFL. Does this look more likely to you at this point? Uh, so when, when you told me about the report that he's actually telling recruits, he's considering yeah, this. So uh, let me, let me hit that first. Uh, reportedly he told a recruit, uh, in, in, now, he may have told multiple recruits, but there's been at least one on record saying, yeah, he told me he's going to entertain NFL offers uh, after this season. Uh, along with that, he is reportedly calling potential assistants for yeah. NFL jobs. That tends to... Now, obviously, that's something that you would do if, it, regardless of the situation. If you think that's there right. is a chance that you might leave and go somewhere else, you always make sure that you are prepared for that. So that doesn't the idea that he's mean. telling recruits though is a big deal to me. That's a big thing. And and let me tell you this: how many coaches would actually have the integrity to do that? We like to sh- people. I don't say we because I have been the defender of Harbaugh out of all the people that I know uh, more than anyone else. He's a he's a prickly guy. Okay, he's yeah. a difficult guy to work with. He's a he's a kind of a weird, awkward guy. But this is pretty stand upish. This yeah. takes a lot of character. Yes. Most certainly. Most because certainly. because you know there's a really good chance if some other schools are calling that kid, it, it, A, it does, it's not really going to affect you because by the time signing day gets there and they make their decision, you would have already made your decision. It would be public. Right. But, the, but still, no other coaches even got the, I think, you know, moral character to tell these kids while he's trying to recruit them, hey, there's a chance I might not be here. I'm I'm gonna look at these other jobs. Yes. I'm gonna consider that. But I'm gonna sell I, you on. I think the that's school. yeah. I'm gonna say on school. I, I think that's pretty big of him. I, I respect that. Um, and I think he should because there are only 32 of those jobs. A couple of really good ones are coming open, and 
And I think, I think he should consider it. I and do I find think it he odd. should do it. So I think he's a really good coach. He was yes, great yes. at San Francisco. Great. Oh, absolutely. He's fantastic there. And I, he, I don't think that he was the biggest problem in San Francisco. I think the GM was, was the issue. He there. didn't get fired. Right. He, he didn't left. Get fired. They but, didn't renew, they didn't renew his contract. Okay. Right. That's it. That's what so, happened. So he was an asshole to the owner and the owner wanted somebody who would kiss his butt. And as soon as Harbaugh left the exact same roster that he made the playoffs with year in and year out and took to a Super Bowl, that next head coach and the next head coach after that, and the next head coach after that had three of the losing the seasons in 49ers history. Okay. Yes. Harbaugh held it up. Yes, he most certainly did. I did find it odd that as soon as that report came out last week, you and I both totally understood why he would look oh, yeah. at NFL jobs. Oh, yeah. Uh, the national media for college football thought that this was simply a bargaining chip. That this is going to get I, his pay back from Michigan because they cut his he, salary last year. I don't, he I don't publicly heard. came out and said, he publicly came out and said, I'm okay making less money in college because I, I, I just he felt very uncomfortable being paid as much as he was being paid for a college job to work with quote unquote amateurs. You can't say that and then hold your school hostage. If he does that, then I'll question his character more than ever. If, the, if he stays at Michigan and he gets the 9 million again, then, then I will strongly question everything he ever says. Okay. But I don't think that's happening. I honestly don't. And let me tell you something. Most college writers don't know a gas dang thing about the NFL. All right. 90% of them pay zero attention unless they're a fan of a team. And then they pay attention to that team. They think because they cover these kids in college that they know a shitload about them in the pros and they don't, and they don't. That's why it's all college writers that talk about Tua and Mac Jones being great in the NFL. And it's all NFL writers that look at Alabama or that, that look at, at the Patriots offense and the Dolphins offense and saying, that's the reason that team's not going farther. Yes. It's because the offense isn't good. The defenses are great. Like the, there's a, there's a chasm and it's their job is hard. They, they got to cover a ton of teams and a ton of players and a ton of kids in college. Okay, so I know they can't cover the NFL very well, but but that means don't speak on this shit because you just don't know it. Yes. You just don't. Uh, so it, it kind of leads us into who's next. Like if Harbaugh does take the job, and and there have been positive reports coming out that he could stay at Michigan and whatnot. Yes, and if he does stay at Michigan, he will probably I, be given some kind of a bonus. Uh, or I some think kind he's going to get a sweetheart. I think he's waiting yeah. for a sweetheart offer from the NFL to come. I think that is going to come, but I don't know that. I I don't know that either. Uh, the names that have been rumored or or bandied about, if you would like to say that, are the same ones that got rumored last year when everyone thought he was going to get fired. Well, all right, so there's those, but the ones that seem like they have the most traction right now, uh, there's two that are on the staff, and that would be Mike Hart, the running backs coach, who is, of course, a former player at Michigan, and Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator who just won the Brawls Award. I think you could probably do worse than those. Uh, another one is Bill O'Brien, who we just talked about as, as you know, being interested in the Jaguars job, uh, going to interview for that after the oh. national title game. I'd, I'd rather have the Michigan job than Jaguars job. I think so too. Even if so the too. money was half, if the Jags offered me 10 and Michigan offered me five, I'd take the Michigan job tomorrow. 
I, I tomorrow. Kinda, now again, there are only thirty-two NFL jobs, but that Jack. I job understand is, that, but but he's already worked at a place where you get fired pretty quickly. This guy was had a fourteen-point lead against Patrick Mahomes a year. Patrick Mahomes won the won the Super Bowl, um, in in the AFC title game. Okay, and he got fired two years after that. All right, so I I I would rather go to a place where I think. I can be more successful because the NFL jobs are going to come. If the Jaguars job is open now, I promise you, you take that Michigan job, you do what you did at Penn State and bring some major stability to it, which Harbaugh has already done that. So you're not even taking over a shithole. Right. You're, you're taking over one of the best jobs in the country right now, and you just kind of keep them up there. You don't get beat by 50 by Ohio State. You stay competitive in that game. You stay competitive in the Big Ten, and the NFL is always going to be there. Yes. And you wait for a good job in the NFL to call you. So, Bill O'Brien was that next name. And then, of course, the two names that everybody discussed last year, which would be yeah. Luke Fickle. Does he do that? I, I doubt that he would do that because there is a there is still a chance that Ryan Day could take the Chicago Bears job or, or something else, right? Uh, even if it's not this season, he could still take an NFL job eventually. He is not as tied to Ohio State as many would like to believe that he is. Now, it is, of course, one of the premier college football jobs but he's got no ties there. Like he's not. No. He, he wasn't born. And in I do Columbus. think. He, and I do think the NFL will come calling for him eventually. Yes, eventually they will. So if Luke Vickle sticks around at Cincinnati, they are of course moving into a better conference. That would be the ideal spot for Fickle. He wants to stay in Ohio. He knows Ohio. That makes sense. Matt Campbell at Iowa State is the other, and that would make some sense, right? We all saw Matt Campbell on Senior Day at Iowa State. At Ames, he was crying about his seniors leaving. He's he's had Brees Hall declare for the draft. He's had Brock Purdy declare for the draft. All these guys that he built this foundation with are now leaving. Now, that's not to say that they're going to drop back to nothingness, but this year was a pretty good indicator of what you are capable of in Ames, Iowa. They can have really good seasons like they had last year. Played for a Big 12 title they, they were really competitive and beat some good teams this year. They got to play against Clemson in a Cheez-It Bowl this year and lost and went 7-6. and six. That's about what you can expect year in and year out in Ames. Now, at Michigan, it's a whole different thing. Is Matt Campbell somebody that you think would be interested in moving up that extra level? So, if I'm Michigan, I'd rather take my chances with one of the in-house guys in Campbell. And what you just pointed out is the exact reason why if I'm Luke Fickle, I take my chance at this job. Because okay. he is also losing the most talent he's ever had at Cincinnati. True. Desmond Ritter ain't walking back through that door next year. You are moving into a more difficult conference. You are moving into a bigger league against better opponents. Okay? And, you, and you're losing the most talent you've ever had to lose. It, now, if these lottery tickets don't last forever... They got a shelf life. Matt Campbell is proof of that. Yes. He should have taken a job last year. You're and- holding the lottery ticket right now. Go get your money and go take that job. Now, it wouldn't surprise me if they take the in-house route. Out of all of those guys named, I would take Billy O because I trust NFL caliber coaches. I just do. That these guys do it at a professional level better than college coaches do. But, and, and I'm talking about the game planning part. It's not the recruiting. It's not all the other bullshit. These guys, for the most part, don't always have uh, the best talent. But you give them 
a week to prepare for opponents, and they can find ways to win games that college coaches find ways to lose. Yes. I I just believe that it is a bias that I have. And until that bias, gets proven wrong. I'm just going to keep believing it. I I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. We'll close out with this. I think he's a better X's and O's man than anyone out there. Yeah. Yeah. I I can, I can agree with that. There are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of Alabama fans that are not happy with Bill O'Brien, but he is in his first year on the job and he does have an extremely young offense. I don't think that this season necessarily says anything about Bill O'Brien. That's just because they're spoiled pricks. Right. I'm not going to disagree with that. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the way it's been for years. If you got Nick Saban as your head coach, yeah, that's the way it's going to go. Um, let's close out with this one. Northwestern defensive back Brandon Joseph has announced that he is transferring to Notre Dame. First off, massive, massive pickup. I mean, everything has been coming up spades for... Uh, or coming up aces, excuse me, for Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame since he took over the job, albeit, you know, the Fiesta Bowl aside, right? Like, let's let's mark that one out. But the recruiting has picked up. Transfers are coming in. He's got guys staying on board. He hired the offensive line coach that basically built OLU at Notre Dame. This, this is all coming up roses, man. This is a really, I, I think, a good decision for Brandon Joseph. Don't get me wrong. Pat Fitzgerald, fantastic coach. But you also know, much like we just talked about at Ames, Iowa, there is a ceiling there, right? Every now and then, you can have an outstanding year, but you are just as likely to fall back into the cellar as you are to be the winner of the Big Ten West. And I don't know that you've got the ability to actually win the Big Ten Conference at Northwestern right now. For Brandon Joseph, I think it's a smart move. No, no, no. Anybody who says it's not a smart move is a fool, okay? It's 100% the right move for him. It's a great move for him. It's a great move for Notre Dame. Um, if I was a defensive player for uh, Northwestern, I would I would, ha- I would, be having some difficulties because this offense has been in the Stone Age for, you know, at a least the last time. decade, for yeah. a very long time. And when they win, it's because the defense plays with Herculean effort and, and pulls off some miraculous shit. And I would be frustrated with that. I would I would now have an opportunity to go play for a better team all around the board and yes. a team that I know that I don't have to hold people to 20. And, okay. and you don't have to move that far. <laughs> Notre Dame and Northwestern well, no, yeah. are well, not hey, far you're away. Staying in a, you're staying in, a, in, in the private school world. You, you know, you're, you're, the way things are done at Notre Dame aren't a whole lot different than the way things are done. At, 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 you know, it's not like you're moving from uh, uh, UCF to Notre Dame, right? Like right. where you used to party in Orlando every night of your life and kind of able to get away with whatever the hell you want. And now you're going and living in a dorm at Notre Dame. And, and like you got nuns and brothers, you know, hold, you know, whipping you with rulers, kind of keeping you in line. This is, this is, this is not anything that he's, you know, outside of, you know, Northwestern right. is a very, very small, private, um, very well-respected school. I, I love Pat. I think Pat is a great coach. He is terrified to hand the reins to the offense to somebody young and innovative we thought when he hired Bajakeman, Bajaki, but Bajakian. god almighty I'm, yeah Bajakian, um that he was going to do that because Bajakian ran a very spread kind of high 
powered, you know, still rushing, football but, but yeah, spread offense. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and, and no, he brought a guy in that ran that style of offense and said, Nope, you're going to run power. You're going to run I formation. We're going to run it with, with big fat, slow running backs instead of super athletic running backs. Um, and you know, this is, this is, you're never going to have a great quarterback because we're just not going to value that position enough in recruiting. And, and that's, that's been a struggle. That's, that's been a problem. I think if I, but we've had this conversation before, right? Like there's been multiple times where I see defenses play so outside of the norm of how good they can be. And offenses just give the ball away. And I tell you all the time, this is why I would be a terrible player. This is why I wouldn't work very well is because I would have a hard time going into halftime and not kicking the shit out of somebody. Okay. I'm going to walk to the other side of the field and I'm going to start slapping folks. All right. Because we're doing our job. And at some point in time, yes, we're all a team, but we can't all be a team and win as a team when we're the reason we're winning and you're the reason we're losing. At some point in time, you got to be a part of this damn team too. You got to actually do your job and do it well. And that offense for Northwestern, even the year that they played in the, in the Big Ten title game just two years ago and two years before that, it doesn't matter. They're still awful yes. offensively the offense was they're, not they're the wildly they predictable they're wildly predictable and they're just awful the defense has been ungodly good their offensive line ungodly good doesn't matter that offense is it when you become predictable even bad teams can beat you yes yes you are correct all right i have got that as the last topic for us to hit is there anything else that you would like to discuss today no, uh, right now the Raiders are currently kind of kicking the they shit are. out of the Chargers. Yes, they are destroying them. It's twenty-eight to fourteen as Very we shocking. end this. So didn't didn't see that coming. <laughs> Most certainly, you uh, both of us had the Chargers <laughs> minus two and a half. Greatest part of uh, my weekend was Carson Wentz just proving me so right. Oh my God, it's so good to feel right with that. <laughs> they gave up a first round draft pick now because of how much he played. And and, and 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 how many you know how many snaps he took? It's so frustrating, isn't it? Like if you bastard. were a Colts fan, like does does this cost Frank Reich his job at some point? No, no, no. At some point in time, some point in time, you you just have to. This is what the Houston should have done. You sit the guy down and you say you're a great coach. You get no more personnel decision-making abilities whatsoever, which he's not the GM. He's not the overarching guy that makes all the decisions there anyway, but he obviously had a lot of influence. No, you've you've lost your right to have a lot of influence. This guy was good for eight weeks of the year. And, and not good, he was great. For eight weeks of the NFL, like four years ago, okay? And people thought he could be an MVP. And then he's never been good. He was never good before that, and he's never been good after that. And I'm not talking about that level good. He's never been good. Do you think that that's what happened with Joe Brady? Do you think Joe Brady told Matt Rule, like, hey, out of all these different quarterbacks that are available, go get me Sam Darnold, and I bet I can do something with him? No, I don't think Joe Brady had any influence on the offense at all or the personnel at all. I think Joe Brady is very young. Joe Brady had gotten hired for his second full-time job that he ever had in his life. And I'm going to bet he came in and said, whatever you bring me, I'll work with the best I can. I, I think he had zero say and zero opinion. Because what would you say to the first day you walk in to the second full-time job you ever had in your life? Probably the exact same thing. 
what do you need me to do? I have no opinion. I'm just glad to be here. Yeah. And they went out and got him Sam fucking Darnold. And it cost him his job. Yes. Yes. It it will. Moves like that will kill you at some point. At some point. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. This was a little bit long. Uh, let me remind everybody, BetUS show for the national championship game coming up at 11 a.m. Eastern time on Monday. We certainly appreciate you guys for watching that. Uh, the show, this show, is brought to you by BetUS. It is where the game begins. Of course, it is America's online uh, premier sports book. You can go find it over at BetUS.com. There's a link in the description. You can click that as well. Tons of bonuses this time of year, etc. We are heading into college basketball. The NBA is going strong. Of course, NFL playoffs pick up this coming weekend. Lots to gamble on, so make sure that you do it over at BetUS. Uh, of course, this is Winning Cures Everything. Go over to the website, winningcureseverything.com. Everything you need to know about us, every clip, every segment, every show can be found over there along with where to follow us online or on social media, etc. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast for us. That certainly helps us out. Leave a nice five-star review, and you can do that on Apple Podcast and now on Spotify. So knock it out anywhere that you can leave a review. Those things help us out. It, it, whatever the algorithm is, those, uh, those reviews and written reviews and whatnot certainly help. So knock that out for us. With that said, it is time for us to get out of here. We hope that you guys take care of yourself, take care of each other, and hopefully, 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 all of you tickets cash this week. We uh, we will see you all next go-round. <laughs> Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app, visit the website at winningcureseverything.com, or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at GaryWCE, or at ChrisBGiannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us.